Spellbound Theatre presents Lady Windermere's Fan by Oscar Wilde. Act Four. How can I tell him? I can't tell him. It would kill me. I wonder what happened after I escaped from that horrible room. Perhaps she told him the true reason of her being there and the real meaning of that fatal fan of mine. Oh, if he knows, how can I look him in the face again? He would never forgive me. How securely one thinks one lives, out of reach of temptation, sin, folly, and then suddenly, oh, life is terrible. It rules us. We do not rule it. Did your ladyship ring for me? Yes. Have you found out at what time Lord Windermere came in last night? His lordship didn't come in till five o'clock. Five o'clock? He knocked at my door this morning, didn't he? Yes, my lady. About half past nine. I told him your ladyship was not awake yet. Did he say anything? Something about your ladyship's fan. I didn't quite catch what his lordship said. Has the fan been lost, my lady? I can't find it. Parker says it was not left in any of the rooms. He's looked in all of them, and on the terrace as well. It doesn't matter. Tell Parker not to trouble. That will do. Oh, she is sure to tell him. I can fancy a person doing a wonderful act of self-sacrifice. Doing it spontaneously, recklessly, nobly, and afterwards finding out that it costs too much. Why should she hesitate between her ruin and mine? How strange. I would have publicly disgraced her in my own house. She accepts public disgrace in the house of another to save me. There is a bitter irony in things. A bitter irony in the way we talk of good and bad women. Oh, what a lesson. And what a pity that in life we only get our lessons when they are of no use to us. For even if she doesn't tell, I must. Oh, the shame of it. The shame of it. To tell it is to live through it all again. Actions are the first tragedy in life. Words are the second. Words are perhaps the worst. Words are merciless. Oh. Margaret, how pale you look. I slept very badly. I am so sorry. I came in dreadfully late and didn't like to wake you. You are crying, dear. Yes, I am crying. For I have something to tell you, Arthur. My dear child, you are not well. You've been doing too much. Let us go away to the country. You'll be all right at Selby. The season's almost over. There is no use staying on. Oh, poor darling. We'll go away today, if you like. We can easily catch the 340. I'll send a wire to Fanny. Yes. Let us go away today. No, I... I can't go today, Arthur. There is someone I must see before I leave town. Someone who has been kind to me. Kind to you? Far more than that. I will tell you, Arthur, but... Only love me. Love me as you used to love me. Used to? You were not thinking of that wretched woman who came here last night? You don't still imagine... No, you couldn't. I don't. I know now I was wrong and foolish. It was very good of you to receive her last night, but you are never to see her again. Why do you say that? Oh, Margaret, I thought Mrs. Erlen was a woman more sinned against than sinning, as the phrase goes. 
I thought she wanted to be good, to get back into a place that she had lost by a moment's folly, to lead again a decent life. I believed what she told me. I was mistaken in her. She is bad, as bad as a woman can be. Arthur, Arthur, don't talk so bitterly about any woman. I don't think now that people can be divided into the good and the bad, as though they were two separate races or creations. What are called good women may have terrible things in them. Mad moods of recklessness, assertion, jealousy, sin. Bad women, as they are termed, may have, may have in them sorrow, repentance, pity, sacrifice. And I, I don't think Mrs Erlin a bad woman. I know she's not. My dear child, the woman's impossible. No matter what harm she tries to do us, you must never see her again. She is inadmissible anywhere. But I want to see her. I want her to come here. Never! She came here once as your guest. She must come now as mine. That is but fair. She should never have come here. It is too late, Arthur, to say that now. Margaret, if you knew where Mrs Erlin went last night after she left this house, you would not sit in the same room with her. It was absolutely shameless. The whole thing. Arthur, I can't bear it any longer. I must tell you. Last night... Mrs Erlin has called to return your ladyship's fan, which she took away by mistake last night. Mrs Erlin has written a message on the card. Oh, ask Mrs Erlin to be kind enough to come up. Say I shall be very glad to see her. She wants to see me, Arthur. Margaret, I beg you not to. Let me see her first at any rate. She's a very dangerous woman. She's the most dangerous woman I know. You don't realise what you're doing. It is right that I should see her. My child, you may be on the brink of a great sorrow. Don't go to meet it. It is absolutely necessary that I should see her before you do. Why should it be necessary? Mrs Erlin. How do you do, Lady Windermere? How do you do? Do you know, Lady Windermere, I am so sorry about your fan. I can't imagine how I made such a silly mistake. Most stupid of me. And as I was driving in your direction, I thought I would take the opportunity of returning your property in person, with many apologies for my carelessness, and of bidding you goodbye. Goodbye? Are you going away then, Mrs Erlin? Yes, I'm going to live abroad again. The English climate doesn't suit me. My heart is affected here, and that I don't like. I prefer living in the South. London is too full of fogs and serious people, Lord Windermere. Whether the fogs produce the serious people or whether the serious people produce the fogs, I don't know. But the whole thing rather gets on my nerves, so I'm leaving this afternoon by the club train. This afternoon? But I wanted so much to come and see you. Oh, how kind of you. But I'm afraid I have to go. Shall I never see you again, Mrs Erlin? I'm afraid not. Our lives lie too far apart. But there is a little thing I would like you to do for me. I want a photograph of you, Lady Windermere. Would you give me one? You don't know how gratified I should be. Uh, oh, with pleasure. Uh, there is one on that table. I'll show it to you. It is monstrous you're intruding yourself here after your conduct last night. My dear Windermere, manners before morals? I'm afraid it is very flattering. I am not so pretty as that. Oh, you are much prettier. But haven't you got one of yourself with your little boy? I have. Would you prefer one of those? Yes. I'll go and get it for you. If you'll excuse me for a moment, I have one upstairs. So sorry, Lady Windermere, to give you so much trouble. No trouble at all, Mrs Erlin. Thanks so much. You seem rather out of temper this morning, Windermere. 
Why should you be? Margaret and I get on charmingly together. I can't bear to see you with her. Besides, you have not told me the truth, Mrs Erlin. I have not told her the truth, you mean. I sometimes wish you had. I should have been spared then the misery, the anxiety, the annoyance of the last six months. But rather than my wife should know that the mother whom she was taught to consider as dead, the mother whom she has mourned as dead, is living, a divorced woman, going about under an assumed name, a bad woman preying upon life as I know you now to be. Rather than that, I was ready to supply you with money to pay bill after bill, extravagance after extravagance, to risk what occurred yesterday, the first quarrel I have ever had with my wife. You don't understand what that means to me. How could you? But I tell you that the only bitter words that ever came from those sweet lips of hers were on your account, and I hate to see you next her. You sully the innocence that is in her. And then I used to think that with all your faults, you were a frank and honest woman. You are not. Why do you say that? You made me get you an invitation to my wife's ball. For my daughter's ball, yes. You came, and within an hour of your leaving the house, you are found in a man's rooms. You are disgraced before everyone. Yes. Therefore, I have a right to look upon you as what you are, a worthless, vicious woman. I have the right to tell you never to enter this house, never to attempt to come near my wife... My daughter, you mean. You have no right to claim her as your daughter. You left her, abandoned her when she was but a child in the cradle. Abandoned her for your lover, who abandoned you in turn. Do you count that to his credit, Lord Windermere, or to mine? To his, now that I know you. Take care. You had better be careful. Oh, I am not going to mince words for you. I know you thoroughly. I question that. I do know you. For twenty years of your life you lived without your child, without a thought of your child. One day you read in the papers that she had married a rich man. You saw your hideous chance. You knew that to spare her the ignominy of learning that a woman like you was her mother, I would endure anything. You began your blackmailing. Don't use ugly words, Windermere. They are vulgar. I saw my chance, it is true, and took it. Yes, you took it. And spoiled it all last night by being found out. You are quite right. I spoiled it all last night. And as for your blunder in taking my wife's fan from here and then leaving it about in Darlington's rooms, it is unpardonable. I can't bear the sight of it now. I shall never let my wife use it again. The thing is soiled for me. You should have kept it and not brought it back. I think I shall keep it. It's extremely pretty. I shall ask Margaret to give it to me. I hope my wife will give it to you. Oh, I'm sure she will have no objection. I wish that at the same time she would give you a miniature she kisses every night before she prays. It's the miniature of a young, innocent-looking girl with beautiful, dark hair. Ah, yes, I remember. How long ago that seems. It was done before I was married. Dark hair and an innocent expression were the fashion then, Windermere. What do you mean by coming here this morning? What is your object? To bid goodbye to my dear daughter, of course. Oh, don't imagine I'm going to have a pathetic scene with her, weep on her neck and tell her who I am and all of that kind of thing. I have no ambition to play the part of a mother. Only once in my life have I known a mother's feelings. That was last night. They were terrible. They made me suffer. They made me suffer too much. For twenty years, as you say, I have lived childless. I want to live childless still. <laughs> Besides, my dear Windermere, how on earth could I pose as a mother with a grown-up daughter? 
Margaret is twenty-one, and I have never admitted that I am more than twenty-nine, or thirty at the most. Twenty-nine when there are pink shades, thirty when there are not. So you see what difficulties it would involve. No, as far as I am concerned, let your wife cherish the memory of this dead, stainless mother. Why should I interfere with her illusions? I find it hard enough to keep my own. I lost one illusion last night. I thought I had no heart. I find I have, and a heart doesn't suit me, Windermere. Somehow it doesn't go with modern dress. It makes one look old, and it spoils one's career at critical moments. You fill me with horror. With absolute horror. I suppose, Windermere, you would like me to retire into a convent, or become a hospital nurse or something of that kind, as people do in silly modern novels. That is stupid of you, Arthur. In real life we don't do such things. Not as long as we have any good looks left, at any rate. No, what consoles one nowadays is not repentance, but pleasure. Repentance is quite out of date. And besides, if a woman really repents, she has to go to a bad dressmaker, otherwise no one believes in her. And nothing in the world would induce me to do that. No, I am going to pass entirely out of your two lives. My coming into them has been a mistake. I discovered that last night. A fatal mistake. Almost fatal. I am sorry now I did not tell my wife the whole thing at once. I regret my bad actions. You regret your good ones. That is the difference between us. I don't trust you. I will tell my wife. It is better for her to know, and from me. It will cause her infinite pain. It will humiliate her terribly. But it's right that she should know. You propose to tell her? I am going to tell her. If you do... I will make my name so infamous that it will mar every moment of her life. It will ruin her and make her wretched. If you dare to tell her, there is no depth of degradation I will not sink to. No pit of shame I will not enter. You shall not tell her. I forbid you. Why? If I said to you that I cared for her, perhaps loved her even, you would sneer at me, wouldn't you? I should feel it was not true. A mother's love means devotion. Unselfishness, sacrifice. What could you know of such things? You are right. What could I know of such things? Don't let us talk any more about it. As for telling my daughter who I am, that I do not allow. It is my secret. It is not yours. If I make up my mind to tell her, and I think I will, I shall tell her before I leave the house. If not, I shall never tell her. Then let me beg of you to leave our house at once. I will make your excuses to Margaret. I'm so sorry, Mrs Erlin, to have kept you waiting. I couldn't find the photograph anywhere. At last I discovered it in my husband's dressing room. He had stolen it. I am not surprised. It is charming. And so that is your little boy. What is he called? Gerard. After my dear father. Really? Yes. If it had been a girl, I would have called it after my mother. My mother had the same name as myself, Margaret. My name is Margaret, too. Indeed. Yes. You are devoted to your mother's memory, Lady Windermere, your husband tells me. We all have ideals in life. At least we all should have. Mine is my mother. Ideals are dangerous things. Realities are better. They wound, but they're better. If I lost my ideals, I should lose everything. Everything? Yes. Did your father often speak to you of your mother? No, it gave him too much pain. He told me how my mother had died a few months after I was born. His eyes filled with tears as he spoke. Then he begged me never to mention her name to him again. It made him suffer, even to hear it. My father... 
My father really died of a broken heart. His was the most ruined life I know. I'm afraid I must go now, Lady Windermere. Oh, no, don't. I think I had better. My carriage must have come back by this time. I sent it to Lady Jedborough's with a note. Uh, Arthur, uh, would you mind seeing if Mrs Erlin's carriage has come back? Oh, pray don't trouble, Lord Windermere. Yes, Arthur, do go, please. Oh, what am I to say to you? You saved me last night. Oh, hush, don't speak of it. I must speak of it. I can't let you think that I am going to accept this sacrifice. I am not. It is too great. I'm going to tell my husband everything. It is my duty. It is not your duty. At least you have duties to others besides him. You say you owe me something? I owe you everything. Then pay your debt by silence. That is the only way in which it can be paid. Don't spoil the one good thing I have done in my life by telling it to anyone. Promise me that what passed last night will remain a secret between us. You must not bring misery into your husband's life. Why spoil his love? You must not spoil it. Love is easily killed. Oh, how easily love is killed. Pledge me your word, Lady Windermere, that you will never tell him. I insist upon it. It is your will, not mine. Yes, it is my will. And never forget your child. I like to think of you as a mother. I like you to think of yourself as one. I always will now. Only once in my life I have forgotten my own mother. That was last night. Oh, if I had remembered her, I should not have been so foolish, so wicked. Gosh, last night is quite over. Your carriage has not come back yet, Mrs. Erlin. Oh, it makes no matter. I'll take a hansom. There is nothing in the world so respectable as a good Shrewsbury and Talbot. And now, dear Lady Windermere, I'm afraid it really is goodbye. The, oh, I remember. Uh, you'll think me absurd, but do you know I've taken a great fancy to this fan of yours that I was silly enough to run away with last night from your ball? Now, I wonder, would you give it to me? Lord Windermere says you may. I know it is his present. Oh, certainly, if it will give you any pleasure. But it has my name on it. It has Margaret on it. But we have the same Christian name. Oh, I forgot. Of course. Do have it. What a wonderful chance, our names being the same. Quite wonderful. Thanks. It will always remind me of you. Lord Augustus Lawton, Mrs Erlin's carriage has come. Good morning, dear boy. Good morning, Lady Windermere. Mrs Erlin. How do you do, Lord Augustus? Are you quite well this morning? Quite well, thank you, Mrs Erlin. You don't look at all well, Lord Augustus. You stop up too late. It is so bad for you. You really should take more care of yourself. Goodbye, Lord Windermere. Lord Augustus, won't you see me to my carriage? You might carry the fan. Allow me. No, I want Lord Augustus. I have a special message for the dear Duchess. Won't you carry the fan, Lord Augustus? If you really desire it, Mrs Erlin. <laughs> of course I do. You'll carry it so gracefully. You would carry off anything gracefully, dear Lord Augustus. You will never speak against Mrs Erlin again, Arthur, will you? She is better than one thought her. She is better than I am. Child, you and she belong to different worlds. Into your world, evil has never entered. Don't say that, Arthur. There is the same world for all of us. And good and evil, sin and innocence, go through it hand in hand. To shut one's eyes to half of life that one may live securely is as though one blinded oneself that one might walk with more safety in a land of pit and precipice. 
Darling, why do you say that? Because I, who had shut my eyes to life, came to the brink. And one who had separated us... We were never separated. We never must be again. Oh, Arthur, don't love me less. And I will trust you more. I will trust you absolutely. Let us go to Selby. In the rose garden at Selby, the roses are white and red. Arthur, she has explained everything. She has explained every damn thing. We all wronged her immensely. It was entirely for my sake she went to Darlington's rooms. Called first at the club. Fact is, wanted to put me out of suspense. And being told I had gone on, followed. Naturally frightened when she heard a lot of us coming in. Retired to another room. I assure you, most gratifying to me, the whole thing. We all behaved brutally toward her. She is just the woman for me. Suits me down to the ground. All the conditions she makes are that we live entirely out of England. A very good thing too. Demmed clubs, demmed climate, demmed cooks, demmed everything. Sick of it all. Has Mrs Erlin... Yes, Lady Windermere. Mrs Erlin has done me the honour of accepting my hand. Well, you are certainly marrying a very clever woman. Ah, you're marrying a very good woman. Lady Windermere's Ban was written by Oscar Wilde. It starred Katie Herbert as Lady Windermere, Erica Sanderson as Mrs Erlin, Andrew Shaw as Lord Windermere, Robert Aldington as Lord Augustus, Hannah Rogers as Rosalie, and David Alt as Parker. Music was by Johannes Bornloff and sound recording by Stefan Medhurst. It was produced by Dario Knight and directed by Andrew Faber for Unbound.